High Praise Podcast. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Joshua, lead pastor here at High Praise, and I want to thank you for downloading today's podcast. We know that this message is going to encourage and bless you. So I want you to open up your heart and receive what the Lord has for you today. Grab your Bible, go to Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. I want to share a message with you tonight. This will probably spill over, not into next week, but the week after. Uh, next Wednesday, uh, uh, Pastor Brian Beasley from The Ramp is going to be with us. How many have been here where Pastor Brian's ministered before? Anybody been here for the ministry of Pastor Brian? Brian's, uh, once again, another just dear friend. We've been friends for 15, 16 years now. Uh, powerful man of God, man of integrity. will be a, a powerful worship. You're going to be here next Wednesday for that. Uh, but at the week after, I'll probably continue this. But I want to talk a little bit uh, about hope this evening. Somebody shout hope. Come on, somebody shout hope. You know, there really is a lot going on uh, in society and going on in the world today. Uh, if you turn on the news, it feels oftentimes like it's just kind of uh, uh, tension after tension and stress after stress and event after event uh, and issue after issue. I saw uh, just yesterday, obviously we've been watching a lot of hurricane coverage, but I saw yesterday uh, that the, the the U.S. NBC, that the, the U.S., uh, uh, I guess just our, our nation in general made a proclamation encouraging uh, anyone, any citizen in Russia to get out, and I was kind of like, yeah, y'all should have figured that one out by now. But anyways, uh, so obviously there's a lot of tension, there's a lot of things going on, there's a lot of things shifting, nations are raging against one another, civil unrest has obviously been something we've seen in America over the past uh, couple years as different uh, different groups call names and fuss at each other. Social values have been changing. Technology progresses at an incredible rate. Uh, you know, the, the old song, the times they are a changing is never really been any more true than it is right now. Times are a changing very, very quickly. And there is a lot going on. And the reality is as human beings, we do not like change. We're just intrinsically wired that we don't like change and transition and we like things to remain the same. That's why you can, you can have a meal that reminds you of your childhood and it is so comforting because we are so against change that we like things that remind us of quote-unquote simpler times or quote-unquote the good old days, which is hilarious because the good old days, if you really look back on them, were just as stressful and, and just as tenuous as we are today, just in a different way. All right. The good old days. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I could go down that road for a moment. People talk, it's amazing, it amazes me how many Christians, I'm going to go off on it for a second so y'all just hang with me. It amazes me how many Christians are just like, I wish I could have walked with Jesus. And I'm like, you, you get upset if your Facebook post gets fact-checked. They were crucifying people on the sides of the road who believed in Jesus, but you wanted the good old days of walking when Jesus walked. Okay, cool. Y'all wouldn't, half, half, half people who say that wouldn't have made it. Let me just say this. <clears throat> and I'll, I'll get to my message in a minute. I'll get off my soapbox, maybe. Let me just say this. You need to be thankful for the time that you are alive right now. 
And you shouldn't wish to be alive in any other time than the time that you are alive right at this very moment. You know why? Because God destined you and purposed you to be here at this time and in this moment for a specific purpose and for a specific reason. And one of the reasons is to release the kingdom and to release Jesus through your life to see change and see things shift in a positive manner rather than just letting hell take over and run over everything. Can somebody say amen this morning? Listen, Things are changing, and obviously some of it's not good. Some of it's just it is what it is, and things change, and, and, and they move. I, I talked to, talk to my grandparents sometimes. Uh, Gramps turned 80 this year, right? He's turned 80 this year. He turned 80 this year, and I've, I've told them before. I said, I think about y'all's generation and how much you saw just progress in your lifetime, and it's really unreal. And what's really wild is to think that every generation after them is probably going to see even more and quicker progression at the rate that technology moves today. Uh, we were joking about computers earlier in the office, and Dad was talking about, you know, a Commodore, what was it, like two, what? Commodore 64, and, you know, now we carry around, you know, in our pockets what was the, the most powerful computer in the world wouldn't in when the Commodore 64 came out, the most powerful computer in the world wouldn't stand a, anything next to the thing that you carry in your pocket all the time. And by the way, that's probably for me, that's a real good thing. I can order food on my phone. Hallelujah. Couldn't do that on a Commodore 64. You certainly couldn't do it on your rotary phone. <laughs> Listen. Things are changing, all of us bad, but change always creates uncertainty, it creates doubt, it creates anxiety in people. And when everything in life is raging, what is the force that we are called to cling to? We must cling to hope. Hebrews chapter 6, we're going to read this, uh, starting in verse 13. It says this, When God made a promise to Abraham... Because he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently endured, obtained the promise. Somebody shout, obtained the promise. He obtained the promise. Human beings, of course, swear by someone greater than themselves, and an oath given as confirmation puts an end to all dispute. In the same way, when God desired to show even more clearly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it by an oath so that through two unchangeable things in which it is impossible that God would prove false, we who have taken refuge might be strongly encouraged, get this, to seize the hope set before us. We have this hope, a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters the inner shrine behind the curtain where Jesus, a forerunner on our behalf, has entered, having become a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. I really want to focus in on this. We have been strongly encouraged to seize the hope set before us, and we have this hope, a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. The writer of Hebrews here, they tell us that it is hope that anchors the soul. Sometimes just in our modern colloquialism, whenever we're talking about an anchor, sometimes it's almost viewed from a negative perspective, right? An anchor can have a negative connotation sometimes. Well, what do you mean, Pastor? I'll tell you what I mean. Sometimes people can view an anchor as this. It's something that keeps you from regressing forward. It weighs you down, and it does those things. It weighs you. It, there is a weight that, is, that is, is produced when an anchor is dropped. Anchors are heavy. And, and by the way, let me say this. And Will, you can, the, the bigger the boat, the heavier the anchor, Correct? 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. He says, oh, yeah. The big, you have to use multiple anchors on, on large boats. Right? So sometimes people view an anchor this way, as something that is anchoring you down from reaching your purpose, from reaching your destiny, from reaching the promise, from progressing to the next level. But that's not what the writer of Hebrews is talking about whenever they say that hope is an anchor for us. Okay, I want to use you to see this from a different perspective today. It's an anchor that will keep a ship from, a ship from drifting off course when the terrain gets too difficult to navigate. It is an anchor that will keep a ship from crashing whenever it needs to be steady and still. It is an anchor that stabilizes and will provide safety. We went out with we went out on the fourth of July. We went out with with Will and Jennifer on, on one of their boats and we went out and saw the fireworks. And I'm so thankful whenever we went out on the water to watch the fireworks that we dropped an anchor. Two of them, he said. He goes, Two. We dropped two anchors. Because we weren't just going to sit out there and turn off the engines and just float and see where it took us. And there's a lot of people in Christianity with their purpose and their destiny. They refuse to drop anchors and they refuse to really get themselves anchored because they're so concerned that they're not going to progress forward that instead of getting stable, they drift all over the place. Let me just say, I think if there is one thing that we have need of or one of the main, one primary thing that we have need of in Christianity today, it is some stability. We need stability. That's something I've been, I've been, I've been talking about with, with, with Pastor Cass and some of our staff. I'm like, for, for, for youth and young adults, one of the biggest things that I want to see released in their lives is stability. Right? Not wandering and, and wondering, but stability. Getting a stabilizing force in your life. And hope is the greatest stabilizing force you can ever have in your life. Hope will stabilize you. And if you allow yourself to become jaded and hopeless, you will come to a place of danger. Let me put it this way. Instability leads to danger. You become, you will get in trouble spiritually if you get unstable. And you don't allow yourself to be anchored. I firmly believe that's one of the reasons in Psalm 92. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord. We can put it this way. Those who are anchored in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of our God. People who get anchored and they get planted and they allow roots to go down deep. They end up being blessed. They end up finding favor. They end up being released into destiny and purpose. you got to get anchored. When the writer of Hebrews, when, when they start to address this topic of hope, they go to one of the most obvious examples of, of a, a character, if you will, a, a, a figure in, in, in history that we can draw from who is a great picture of hope. And they say this, Thus Abraham, having patiently endured, obtained the promise. Having patiently endured. Having patiently endured. How was able, Abraham able to patiently endure? He had hope. He had hope. Abraham gave God this promise. He, he, he put it in a nutshell. He said this, you're going to have more descendants than can be counted. There's going to be a nation that comes out of you. Abram, who I'm now going to call Abraham. Which once again, that's one of those things there. If you really understand the context, the name Abraham means 
means father of many nations. And everybody that Abraham talked to in that day knew it. So every time good old Abe, emphasis on old, introduced himself to somebody, he said, Hey, I'm the father of many nations with no children. His name was a joke to everyone. And you have to think, when Abram told them, hey guys, I'm going to change my name, the father of many nations. Abraham, have you taken a look in the mirror lately? Abraham, have you seen your wife lately? Abraham, y'all been trying for years, and it ain't been working out for you, Abraham. And the get up and go has probably now got up and went out to the door, Abraham. And how in the world are you, Abraham, snicker, snicker, (laughs) going to be the one who becomes the father of many nations? But here's the thing. Whenever you have a word and a promise from the Lord, it doesn't matter what your natural circumstances are, and it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks, and it doesn't matter what anyone else says. The promise from the word and the promise from the Lord is greater than your natural circumstance, and you can drop anchor in that and have hope so that whenever it doesn't look like it's going to happen, guess what? I've dropped anchor, and when the wind blows, I'm not going to move. And when the waves crash, I'm not going to move because there's an anchor that's been dropped and I know that I'm on the right course and as long as I stay believing and as long as I stay in hope what God said he was going to do, he is going to do it and I don't have to try to make it happen. As a matter of fact, if you want to pull from Abraham's life again, it's whenever he tried to make it happen in his own power that he got in trouble. If you really want to get into that, God told Abraham that from his body he would he would bring he would bring a, a, a great nation. He was married to Sarah. The Bible says that when the two are married, they become one flesh. So the promise wasn't just to Abraham; it was also to Sarah. And Abraham tried to get the word to come to pass in the way that he thought it should come to pass, and he got in trouble. He put it this way, he misapplied what the word was and he got in trouble. Whenever you misapply the word instead of just letting the word work is when you get in trouble. Y'all have heard us preach this before. Most people, most people don't, don't miss it in receiving the word. They miss it in timing and application. They miss it whenever they try to make it happen because they think it should have happened by now when it hasn't happened yet. Come on, somebody. And that's exactly what Abraham did. But the good news is this, that at the end of the day, the word of the Lord prevailed. And at the end of the day, Sarah was pregnant. And at the end of the day, Isaac was born. And at the end of the day, a great nation arose from Abraham. But he had to endure. We really are talking about, you know, I was talking a minute about, about technological innovations. We, we really are the, the microwave generation. I think the microwave oven was introduced first in the, the 50s, 60s, somewhere along that. Or was it, long, was it later than that? I don't know. But microwave ovens have obviously been introduced relatively recently. And, and, and there, were, there was the day where, you know, if you wanted to cook something, you had to actually cook it. <laughs> Y'all know what I mean? You had to actually cook it. You couldn't nuke it. And listen, 
they're fact-checking my dates down there. They're going to tell me what it is. I don't know. 1945 was when it was invented. All right, I was close. <laughs> Dad said we didn't have one until the 80s. <laughs> I can't imagine what one cost in 1945 in today's money. It would have been ridiculous. Anyways, I, I, it's one of those things where I've had some meals that have been... Uh, anybody, ever, anybody, ever, anybody ever had a TV dinner that you've heated up in the microwave? Come on, y'all, y'all ever have one? I've had some TV dinners, right, in the microwave. They are not good. They're not good. If you enjoy them, God bless you. But they are not good. They're fast. They're fast. Two and a half minutes. You got a meal ready to go, huh? Yeah. But you know what? If you're going to cook real food, it takes a little more time. And it takes a little more effort. And, and let me put it this way. If you're going to cook a, 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 a high-caliber French dish, if you're going to make a coca vin, it takes a little time. It takes a little bit of skill. It takes some effort. And it's not ready in two and a half minutes. You're braising that, that food for hours. But I promise you, it tastes a lot better than the microwave dinner does. Here's where I'm going with this. If you want a promise that comes to pass overnight and you try to make it happen in your might, you may get something that you can eat, but it ain't going to be very good. But if you allow God to work the process that he's working in your life and you drop the anchor of hope, he's going to take a little bit of time a lot of the, in a lot of situations and circumstances. But what you get is going to be a lot better than what happens like that. So if you're in a process where you've been believing God and you haven't seen it yet, you just keep holding on to hope because God is creating a five-course, five-star, Michelin-star dinner for you. Come on, somebody. That's going to be a lot better than the lean cuisine beef stroganoff that you throw in the microwave for two and a half minutes. Y'all with me? Y'all trekking with me? All right. We have hope. It was the word. It was the promise that brought hope into the life of Abraham. When everything in the world shouted at him and tried to make him shipwrecked, he had the anchor of hope. The anchor of the word. The anchor of the promise. So what is our hope? Firstly, it's found in this simple fact. You are a believer. You are a Christian. You have been bought back by Jesus. That alone gives you an entire book full of promises that are for you. The B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. Y'all remember it? I stand upon the Word of God. The B-I-B-L-E. I can tell how many of y'all weren't raised in church because y'all are looking at me funny right now. And all you church kids are like, yeah, yeah. The B-I-B-L-E. It's the book for me. The Bible is full of promises that are just for you. We always been, we read out of Hebrews. The entirety of the book of Hebrews can really be summed up in a simple statement that a good friend of mine has made frequently, and it is this. Jesus is better. The book of Hebrews tells us that what Jesus has given us is better than anything that came before. And it's greater than anything that we've ever had. Abraham was given great promises. 
I believe Abraham was given great promises. He was given incredible promises. The promise that Jesus has for you is better. That we've been given a better covenant. Not just a new covenant, but a better covenant. It's new and improved. It's not like new Coke that nobody liked. Y'all remember new Coke in the, in the 80s and then Coke went back and changed it because nobody liked new Coke? Everybody's like, give us old Coke. It's not like new Coke. It's not new but, but worse. It's new and better. The Bible says it's a better covenant with better promises. I read the Old Testament, and there were some pretty incredible things that God did. And I, I, I think sometimes we do this, and we read the Old Covenant, and we read the Old Testament, we, we, we read what God did, and we go, oh, that was so wonderful what God did for them, and how God moved supernaturally for them, and how amazing that is. But, you know, I just I don't know if God could do it for me today. Listen, you have a better covenant with better promises, and God wants to do it for you today. We had an awesome testimony come in just today. We have a, a lady in the church. She had a diagnosis. I didn't even know about the diagnosis. She had a diagnosis that she had a leaking, a, a, a leak in her heart valve, and they were going to have to do surgery. Having a leak in a heart valve is not good. She had a leaky heart valve. They're going to have to do, Stephanie Sapp, they're going to have to do surgery. And, and she went to her, we, a couple weeks ago on a Sunday service, we called out people with heart issues, and we prayed for people. We laid hands on people to be healed with heart issues. Didn't know she even had an issue. Was unaware. She texted the church today. She said, I went to my cardiologist today, or yesterday. Went to my cardiologist yesterday. They, they did all the scans and everything, and the cardiologist came back in and says, we don't know what happened, but your, your leaky heart valve is no longer leaking. It's completely fine. We don't have to do surgery now. A better covenant with better promises. The God in the Old Testament is the same God that we serve today. He's the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the same God that did a miracle in Abraham's body is the same God that will do a miracle in your body. That the same God who showed up and fought for the children of Israel is the same God who will show up and fight for you. It's a better covenant with better promises, and he's going to do it in your life. You can have hope. You can have hope. That when things look bleak, you have a word. When things don't look good, you have a word. I know a lot of us have been through that situation, especially a lot of people who were living here during Hurricane Michael when it rolled through and it was destructive. And we're obviously watching that happen now down in, 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 in South Florida and all in, in uh, South, Southwest Florida. I'm watching all that go on. And I know it brings up a lot of memories. And a lot of you suffered a lot of destruction and a lot of damage, but you had a hope. That when the literal storm came, you had a word. And you knew that a hurricane wasn't the end of the story. That there was blessing that God had on the other side. Listen, you have a word about your family. I don't care what kind of text message you got this week. I don't care what they told you last time they saw you. You have a word. <laughs> you have an anchor that you can drop that whenever the text message comes that looks completely different than what the promise is, you have an anchor that says, I'm not going to be moved off my course because I have a hope that's been inside of me. You have a word about your finances. And when the, the recession word starts getting thrown around, you know what? I'm not going to be moved because there's an anchor that's been dropped. And I don't live on the economy of the United States anyways. I live under the economy of heaven. 
And in the economy of heaven, there's an abundance. In, the, in heaven, there isn't poverty. The roads are paved with gold. Come on, somebody. And it says, my God shall supply all my needs according not to what goes on in Wall Street, not according to what goes on in the economy, not according to what goes on with COVID, not according to what goes on with Russia, according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. He will provide for you even when it looks like things are going the wrong way. You can drop an anchor. You can drop an anchor. <laughs> You don't have to get thrown off course. You have hope because of Jesus. Without Jesus in our lives, there is no hope. However, because you are a believer, you have infinite hope. Somebody shout infinite hope. You have hope that is never ending. I firmly believe this. We weren't intended to look at the sour side of every situation. As a believer, we weren't intended to look at everything and go glass half full. I mean, glass half empty all the time. We were intended to look at a glass half empty and our glass is half full. And look at it as that's an opportunity for overflow to be added. We don't even look at a glass and go, well, it's half full. We go, that's a glass with an opportunity for more to be poured in. <laughs> that's an opportunity for more. It's not just it's half full. It's an opportunity for more. It's an opportunity for more. They may be saying recession, I say opportunity for more. They may be saying cutbacks, I say opportunity for financial breakthrough to show up suddenly that you weren't expecting. I say opportunity for you to be a miracle of how God blesses people. Do you know that people became millionaires during the Great Depression? People became millionaires during the Great Depression. Now, I'm, we're not decreeing and declaring depression. I'm just saying I don't care what happens I don't care what happens, you can walk blessed, and you can walk in favor. I don't care what it looks like with your family. The word came tonight, your prodigals are coming home. You can drop anchor. We have hope in Jesus. We have hope because the same promise that God gave Abraham, the same covenant that God gave Abraham, we've been grafted in to even a greater covenant. Galatians 3.29, if you're in Christ, then you're Abraham's seed. And what? You're an heir According to the promise. You're an heir. Look at somebody say, you're an heir. <laughs> you're an heir. That's awesome. Really think about that. You know what an heir does? An heir receives something just for being part of the family. You don't have to work for it. You just get it because of who you are. You get it because of your blood. But we don't get it because of our blood. We get it because of his blood. <laughs> you just get it. You don't have to do anything for it. You just get it because you're his. Dad's given the example a million times, and I, I can give the same example. If I go to my dad's house, or if I go to my grandpa's house, either one, I'm just, I get both. If I go to either of their houses, they both have a, a garage fridge. Anybody know anything about the garage fridge? Come on, somebody. I've got a garage fridge, too. i got four kids. We've got to have a garage fridge. There's not enough room in one fridge. Gramps has garage fridges. <laughs> and garage freezers. They both have garage fridges. And I know that there's drinks, right? There's Diet Mountain Dew, there's Coke Zero, there's whatever I want in the garage fridge. 
And whenever I go to Grandpa's house, I don't go to Grandpa's house. I don't go to Daddy's house. I go and go lay at their feet and go, please, please, could you please just, I beg of you, give me something from the garage fridge. If you could ever find it in your mercy and your goodness to please just let me have a drop in a bottle cap from the garage fridge, I would be eternally grateful. I go to grandpa's house before I even go in the door. I've already gone to the garage fridge and already gotten what I want to drink and walked inside like it was mine. You know why? Because it is. Because I'm an heir. Because I'm part of the family. I already know that if it's in his fridge, he's gonna grandma will chase you down the road giving you stuff while you're trying to leave. I'm going, Grandma, we've got to go. Well, you just want some tomatoes, Grandma. I've I've been walking out the door for about 10 minutes, and my kids are loaded down with eight grocery bags of food. Why do I do that? Because I'm an heir. You don't have, it amazes me when I hear believers beg of God. God, if it be your will, we know it's God's will. We know his will. He's already told us his will in his word. His will is that you would be the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath the lender and not the borrower. We already know the will of God. Third John 2, beloved, I believe, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. We already know the will of God. We don't have to beg him if it be your will. Would you please, God, be merciful to me? What do you take what God's already given you? Because you're an heir. You can have hope and drop anchor that you're an heir. You don't have to beg God. Some of you may, may have had fathers that weren't generous and didn't operate that way naturally. So you, you haven't seen that model in front of you. But that's who our Father God is. He's not angry and mean and making you beg for stuff. He's from a place of abundance giving you and saying, you could have whatever you want. Everything that I have is yours. Everything that I have, you can partake of. We have hope. The good news is that the depth of our anchor doesn't just reach the bottom of the sea. But it sinks into the depths of his glory. We have an anchor that is immovable, unshakable, and not moved. As he is, so are we. Hope makes us unshakable. And I'm, I'm going to close real quick. The good news is this. And, and one of the other things that is so great about hope is this. In, in scripture, hope always represents something futuristic. Okay? We have hope for something that is yet to come. It's something, it's more than a wish, right? There's a wish is like, it would be great if. But hope is, I know this is coming in a day. There's, dad said the word from the front, there's an expectation of what's going to happen. There's a knowing of what God is going to do. And the good news is this, whenever you have hope, it produces a confident expectation that what you're believing for will be realized. Let me give you an example. God's, God's given me a hope that this church body is going to have an impact on this region and our greatest days are yet ahead. We've only seen a small portion of what God is going to do. So you know what? In church, there's always bumps along the road. We, we've went through quite a few bumps over the past four years. Hurricane Michael and COVID and um, other things that go on. But you know what? We got an anchor dropped because we've got words. We know what God said. 
And we know Michael couldn't be the end. We knew COVID couldn't be the end. We know none of nothing else. They're, they're, listen, these are just these are speed bumps. But we've got an anchor that's dropped. And we're not going to be moved. A lot of you have, you have words about your family. Drop an anchor and believe for it. You have words about your business. You have words about being a business owner. And right now you just work, you know, you work for somebody else. And that's okay. I'm not saying it's going to be tomorrow, but drop an anchor. That whenever you have the rough day, I know the day is coming that God has said, and as long as I'm faithful at what I find to put my hand to do, the day is coming. Let me just say this real quick. The best thing you can do, we were talking about this, Dad, and I were talking about this the other day. The best thing you can do when you're in that season between you know God is doing, going to do something, but it's not being done yet. You know what the best thing to do in that season do exactly what's in front of you and put your hand to the plow and do it. Even if it feels like a step back. Even if it feels like two steps back away from the promise. You know why? Because sometimes when you actually feel like you're taking two steps back, you're not taking steps back. You're being pulled back by God for acceleration in what's to come. Y'all have heard me talk about this before. Whenever an archer takes an arrow and he shoots it at a target, he doesn't put it in the bow this is a terrible stance. He doesn't put it in the bow and then push it forward. What's he do? He puts it in the bow and then he does what? Pulls it back. Because if you don't pull it back, it's not going to hit the target. So sometimes what feels like a setback isn't really a setback. It's you being pulled back. Because God's about to release you with greater velocity to accelerate things and you to hit the target. Don't always look at going backwards as going backwards. Sometimes it's being pulled back to accelerate forward. Come on, somebody. Be faithful in what you find your hand to do and keep hoping. The reality is this. You have hope. How many of you have a word in here you haven't seen fulfilled yet? Something you know God's promised you you haven't seen it yet. Probably everybody in this room. You can have hope. God's going to do it. And when something happens that looks different, it's okay. You have hope. Come on, TK. I, I've, I've, I've told this before a little bit, but or you've heard Dad talk. You've heard Dad past couple of weeks, a couple of times, or a couple of weeks over the last month. He's mentioned Josiah and his story. And uh, for those of you who don't know, he was born when he was born. He was completely still. Holly was in the room actually with us. We didn't know Holly yet, but Holly was in the room. He was completely still. Was gray. Wasn't breathing. From all medical reason, he shouldn't be here today. Um, and that's what we've been told repeatedly. But the part that we kind of don't tell frequently is, is and in, in we're telling it quickly, is Miranda and I got a prophetic word probably about a month before he was born. We got this word, and, uh, and somebody laid hands on us, prophesied to us, and they, they gave us this prophetic word. They said this, when this baby comes, it's right down here up front in this building. said, when this baby comes, I see that your faith is just going to go to a new level. And everybody shouts about faith going to a new level, right? Bless God. If you ever get a word about faith going to a new level, don't shout too loud. Because faith going to a new level means you're going to have to face a battle and fight something you've never had to fight before. At a level you've never had to war before. And that's exactly what we had. He was born still. He wasn't breathing. You know, it's all you've heard the story. He was six weeks early. Cord was wrapped around his neck twice, and the cord was in a full knot. It was not a good situation. But God showed up. 
I'll never forget the first time we went in the NICU after a tumultuous up and down night. We got to go in the NICU the next day and see him. And his four pound, 15 ounce small body with, you know, cables and cords and stuff coming out from every which way and direction. I remember the first thing I asked the nurse is, when do we get to take him home? You know, 24 years old, just full of faith. When do we get to take him home? She said, Mr. Gay, you don't understand. You have a very, very sick son. And he will be here a minimum of six weeks. And that's if he does really, really well. He'll be in the NICU for six weeks and then be in the hospital for some time after to recover and transition and all that. I said, thank you. I appreciate it. And she walked away and I looked at Miranda. I said, we aren't, we, we're not doing that. I said, we got a word. We got a promise. They told us, you don't listen, you need to just come to terms with this fact. He's going to be slow, probably have a multitude of learning disabilities. He will be undersized and scrawny. For his entire life, he'll be, you know, basically the runt of the litter. So we got a promise. Y'all are laughing because y'all know who he is. We've got a promise. I've got hope. I've got an anchor that's been dropped. And no matter what I see, I have a word that says something different. We were out of the NICU in six days. And, I'm, and I, listen, that nurse was just diagnosing based on what she saw. She was, a, I'm sure, an excellent lady. And, a, and they were phenomenal nurses who took care of him. They're diagnosing by what they see, but I walk by faith. I don't walk by sight. And I know that God's promise is greater to overcome all of that. Come on, somebody. I say that not just to beat ourselves on the chest. I say that to encourage you. Things might look bleak, but if you've got a word, drop that anchor. And don't be moved from the truth of what God said. Will you stand to your feet? I hope you got something out of this tonight. We you lift your hands to heaven tonight? Come on, I want you to pray with me. Say, Father God... I thank you tonight that there's an anchor that I have, that I have a word that I can have hope in. And tonight, I make the choice that I'm dropping anchor, that I am becoming steady, that I am becoming steadfast, that I am becoming immovable, that the winds and the waves won't take me off course, that bumps in the road won't take me off course. But I'm going to see destiny. I'm going to see purpose. And I'm going to see the promise. Because I have hope tonight. In Jesus' name. Come on, will you give him a shout of praise this evening? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thanks again for downloading this podcast. We trust that this message has blessed, encouraged, and edified you. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss a message here from High Praise. Also, you can follow us on social media, on Facebook, and on Instagram. And don't forget to go subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'll be back soon with another incredible message. God bless you and have a great week.